Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wild Pickups. <laughs> hey, this is me, Todd Novak. We are super thrilled that you are listening to our show, the Guitar Knobs Podcast. We love doing this and we're happy that we are together doing this right now. And all the doing this is togetherness. It's so togethery. Gentlemen. What do we do on the show? So we talk to uh, boutique builders of guitars and amps and pedals and sometimes pickup makers and sometimes pick guard makers and sometimes uh, people who are uh, reviewers. We've, We've done some reviewers. of the reviewers. Sometimes we have 101. So we kind of focus on people who are involved in the music industry that we all know and love. That need a little bigger spotlight. That's yes, that yeah. shine a light. And uh, we have one of those people on the line today. And who is this? Hey, this is Tom from Cooper FX. Right on. Cooper. Tom, Tom from Cooper FX. Cooper FX. And we are going to be talking to him about his fantastic pedals and a whole bunch of other cool guitar stuff. So we're happy to have him here with us uh, for the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Excellent. You're calling from... Sunny Minneapolis. Yes, <laughs> Minneapolis. But, but home base is Colorado, right? Well, no. So oh. home base is New Jersey. That's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. But I went to school in Colorado. Ah, that's what you're telling me. Gotcha. I got yeah, it all mixed yeah. up. Okay. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, enjoy the winter weather out there. Still winter. No, we're, we're, still, done. we're done. You're done? No, that's yeah, optimistic. That's early. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, that's 65 this weekend. Beautiful. He's that's, sure of it. And yeah. then minus 15 the following. Yeah. Anything above zero is summer to me right now. So yeah. we're fine. All right. We would like to thank Rode, uh, the, our sponsor for this podcast. Uh, they were kind enough to provide a lot of equipment for us, and we're super, super grateful. Uh, right now, we're using the Rodecaster Pro Production Studio, which is flipping fantastic. It's doing. I, I the, think they should have called it the Game Changer. It, it really is a Game Changer. It, there's lights on it and stuff that are lit up. There's lots I just of lights. want to press the buttons. Don't no, the you're button. not allowed They to look press very the soft and lit up. I no, want to press it. You stay on the other side of the table, Jared. <laughs> um, but this this has literally replaced our amazing Frankenstein unit that we've been using for two years. Frankenstein. Is, uh, <laughs> is very... Um, it's near and dear to our hearts, but we're also a little bit afraid of it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so thank, thank you, you so, so much, much Rode. to Road for providing that for our show. Yes, yeah. and we got some great mics and articulating arms. Too. Yes, they do articulate. Go check them out. They make some mighty fine mics for musical use, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we got a couple of announcements. We got uh, one of the four on the floor sent to us from Brad Partridge. He's using, number one, the origin effects slide rig compression uh, it says this this thing rings out for eternity as i play lots of slide and lap steel it's my must-have pedal he's also using the jhs morning glory i really like that pedal does mm. that have anything to do with oasis well i mean i love it for that it, but even <laughs> though that's not what it is but uh, but also uh, my, one of my uh, early uh, guitar uh, gods 
Billy Duffy. That's one of his main pedals. Uh, and also he's using the Strymon El Capistan. The much loved tape delay enough already has been said about this great pedal. That's uh, those a fun are his pedal, words. man. That's a fun pedal. A great pedal. I like it. Uh, the last one he's using is the Electro Harmonics Triangle Big Muff with the JHS mod. He says, it is not just right to have just a fuzz pedal on your board. And this does everything I need from slight fuzz to a totally splattered mosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> says, uh, uh, thank you so much for opening up a whole world of boutique amps, guitars and pedals into my life. I get totally inspired by every episode. We thank you for that. Oh, that's nice. Mr. Thank Brad you. Partridge. Hey, Brad. Thank you, Bubby and the sissy. Do you guys yeah. have any uh, announcements there? Uh, I don't have any announcements this week. There's, Jared? There's guitar shows going on right now as you're listening to As this. you're listening. Look into guitar shows. Go. Go to guitar support shows. Support your local yes. guitar show. Your local. They're, they're all over the place. Or Go. support your international guitar show. Indianapolis, Akron. They're happening right now yes. as you're listening and to this. And everyone who doesn't live in Ohio, there are more guitar shows for them, too. Really? They have guitar shows outside of Ohio? It's wow. hard to believe, but it's true. Wow. Yes. Huh. Uh, there's a ton going on everywhere. Go find it. All righty. Anything else? Nope. Good. All good. Woo-hoo. All right. What's going on in our music world this week, uh, Jared? Oh, man. So, dad passed away a long time ago, left me um, a lot of the guitars that, that I inherited. There's one more guitar of his that I am getting uh, redone and I'm really excited about it. In 1987, my mom bought my dad an ovation. Uh, it's, it's an American made ovation. One of the last ones, I think, you know, regular production acoustic or electric. It's, it's one of those, um, balladeer or is it a shallow? It's a shallow. Okay. And it's a custom series. The plastic back. Yes. Yeah. It's, it was black, you know, it had the nice white, uh, pearl designs and all that. Does it have a round sound hole or the, round. Or the Adamus ones that have like the... No, it just five, had the round. Just around. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, it was still expensive. Like grape leaves to me. Is it it's grape leaves? Uh, it's not the grape leaves of, one. It's okay. sort of like leaves. Something like that. Some yeah. Kind of ivy. We'll call it yeah. ivy. Yeah. But it uh, diamond inlay on the on the ebony fretboard. Yeah. yeah. It uh, actually was a really beautiful guitar and I was really excited he got it. I never uh, understood how people play those. They're, did, they're, they're not comfortable. It's I, I need one that goes the opposite direction. <laughs> he, he liked my dad liked it. I mean, yeah. well, just because they slid, they ran they, around they, back. They do slide. They slide down. Yeah, they there was some extra grip that was put on towards the bottom. I think the factory did that, you mm-hmm. know, just for an extra bit of grip. But yeah, he played it as. For a long time, actually, before he got another guitar. Before, yeah. you know, me and my brothers tore stuff up all the time. I think it wasn't, so, wasn't it like Bon Jovi really kind of put that on the map, right? Uh, yeah, they had a double neck that they used well, for Wanted Dead or Alive. Glenn Campbell. Glenn <laughs> Campbell was. He, he was. He, he was, put he it was on the, the man. So he, in the well, 70s. So interestingly, so so the, the people that made Ovation, Cayman, yeah. C-A-M-A-N, yeah. got into, they actually made helicopters. Oh. And wow. the uh, they got the molded bowl process in the back is based on the rotor blades that they would make for helicopters. 
Wow, that's weird. So they jumped from you know, from making helicopters to making guitar. At least the division went to making guitars. That's well, <laughs> but they made some really wacky electrics too. Oh yeah, but they're very cool. They're fantastic. I've owned, oh, I've owned yeah. a couple of them, and yeah, some of them are re- actually pretty nice. Uh, I can picture like, the acoustic. I can't picture the electric. Oh yeah, there was like the look Deacon, it up. It's the fun. Deacon, the breadwinner, yep. the Viper. Uh, the Hurricane. They're they're really cool guitars, and I've owned a couple of them over the years, and they're really incredibly well made. There was one that wasn't so good. It was like a uh, a wooden core with yeah. a plastic surround on it, and it it just always felt weird. But uh, but some of the the real wooden ones, like well, the the breadwinner is the oddball one. It looks kind of like a battle axe kind and, and, of thing. And those ones specifically, I believe uh, Brady Smith from uh, Old Blood Noise is, is kind of trying. I think he's quietly scooping them all up. <laughs> they've, they've, they've had a couple posts. I'm like, that's like more than three. Well, if you can find them, they are generally extremely well priced Gosh, because too funky looking for me. Because but nobody knows about them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But the, actually, Ovation had a really good run in the seventies and in, eight, in the eighties as well. And and this one that was my dad's. We we just I don't know, man. It, it, we took a, a blacktop, you know, flattener outer machine and just smashed the crap out of it. Not literally, but we made as well. A have. blacktop flash a roller, a roller that vibrating roller thing. You know, you I'm mean, I'm just saying we beat the crap out of this guitar. Well, why would you run over it with a roller? I, we, we may as well Oh, you're have. speaking figuratively. Okay. Right. I'm trying to, but I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> so <laughs> we, I, I found this, this, uh, I found this fella named Chris Matos, uh, 812 guitar. And I believe he's up in Maine, I think, or somewhere up in there. And I sent it to him and he's going to fix it. Uh, there's not a lot of luthiers that touch these old guitars, man. Yeah, not, no. not the acoustic ones. So I'm really excited. He's, I wor- I'm working with him. Good. Working with him with it. And he's said he's going to bring it back to life. So I can't wait. All nice. right. So uh, let's hear from Tom really quick. Yeah, really quick. Sure. Um, man, it's kind of lame. I guess I've just been splurging a lot of pedals. I got that Zillio we were talking about earlier on pre-order. And then I got the particle. But something that was really cool to me, this doesn't really usually happen. Uh, you know, I get a lot of trade offers from other pedal builders and stuff, but nice. recently I got a trade offer from this guitar company. Ooh, um, what? That's yeah, nice. that's never happened. And I, I haven't gotten a new guitar for probably like four or five years, which is, I know, crazy. But so I'm pretty excited about that. What, what's, your, what's, the, what's your what's your main guitar? You're not going to judge me? No. Don't okay. say breadwinner. <laughs> <laughs> say Stratocaster. No. no, no. It's just this, uh, you know, it's the Jay Mascus Squire Jazzmaster. Hey, that's a great those guitar. Are, those are excellent guitars. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. But people, you know, hear Squire and they're like, oh boy. That, that is one yeah. of the better Squire models. I yeah. mean, I, yeah, yeah. I've, I had a bunch of uh, Made in Japan Squire stuff, the Vista series over the years. I, I think it was better made than what was coming out of Fender proper at the time. Oh, uh, yeah. There's, there's some really good... So yeah, if you can find any of the old... Uh, what, if there's a certain serial number on the, on the Strats. Uh, they're a three-bolt neck, uh, and they're made in Japan, and they are just incredible. I mean, even if you, if you run across... I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying this is a thing. But, you know, uh, so... 
our friend Frank Dimel, we reference him often. He is one of the few people that actually do anodized pick guards. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful, but they are ex like so expensive to make. Oh, yeah. And if I you get I a Jamaica, I found a place in Chicago um, that I can I can send send for. We can post it on the website. Okay, yeah, and they looks like cool. I haven't dealt with them personally, but yeah. it looks like they do really good work. Uh, it's still pretty expensive, though. Well, nothing it? is cheap when it comes. to... Well, what I'm saying is, for the cost of a Jamaica, you could actually just <laughs> replace the pick guard and then sell it and then get another guitar <laughs> as well. Yeah, you yeah, like legit. And interestingly, that that pick guard will fit uh, a, a, an American. Yeah. Uh, uh, an American. So really? Uh, yes. I'm not advocating wow. that. I'm just saying that is a thing. But yeah. anyways, cool. Do they but still it, make that, that Jay Mascus, the not square one? Cause that's what I really wanted when I've got this guitar, but I think they stopped making it. I don't you think it's in. Yeah. I don't think that's in the lineup anymore. Yeah, that was a cool one. But yeah, that, that was really cool. Okay. So anyways, back to your, you, your, uh, yeah. yes. Guitar. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, now I just got to spend some time and sit down and pick out a guitar, which is, something i haven't done for a long time and i don't really know i think i want an acoustic because it's it's you know playing electric is one thing but it's just fun to have an acoustic to just stink around on you know okay so the company that you're referencing makes both acoustic and electric yeah yeah okay and and we're not going to pressure you to release the name of who that is yeah no i just i just totally okay i don't know what they want yeah don't, so. don't even worry about it okay what uh, is the name? <laughs> <laughs> Do they make an acoustic? Acoustic? It runs with Schnipson. That's really interesting. <laughs> All right. Just uh, how about um, Antoine? Well, you know, last time we got together, I was talking about how I was in the middle of rewiring four guitar projects, two of which are Rickenbacker style. So I like to use uh 250k tone pots and uh 500k uh volume volume pots and and also there's a blender a fifth knob on a, on a rickenbacker so I, I i'm working on two of those and put them on like mark Wahlberg's third nipple yeah exactly <laughs> In that, yeah, the blend control is about as I useful. I had to say that because that was the last <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, mother for me. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So um, this is the first time this has ever happened. So I, I wired everything up, and um, on each of the of the guitars, one of the uh, pots was not working. And I'm looking, you know, I tear the tear them apart, lift the guard. Yeah, it's wired right. So. I, I, I pull the pots that, that I think are bad and lo and behold, two out of six pots were bad pots. Wow. These are CTS pots. I, I don't know what, I mean, you know, something, something bad must've happened at the factory that week. But, um, I mean, the pots are cheap. I mean, it's easy to replace, but it's very frustrating, especially when you spend, uh, you know, an hour or two tracking down and double checking all of your wiring. That's a pain, man. And, and it's just, it's just madness. So that, that was my frustration the last, uh, last day or two. And then I finally replaced the pots and of course everything's fine now, but it's, uh, it's just an unusual thing. And I guess it happens to the best of companies, but, uh, usually, you know, when you pull a CTS pot out, it's just fine. But in this case, two out of six. Interesting. 33%. 30, 
33% bad. That's a lot bad. <laughs> um, let's see. For me, I... Um, so I was stuck in one of my songs. That I, in one of the new songs that I was writing, referencing. I was stuck because I was like... It, it's it needs it needs like a good bridge. It's a kind of an anthematic kind of a song, and I'm like, I just kept listening to the stuff that I've loved, and I'm like, uh, it it's missing the thing. It's missing the hook. The, the, well, no, it's not missing the hook. I got the hook. Uh, oh, the hook. I, I got hooks. <laughs> I got hooks, baby. <laughs> what it needed, it needed that sort of like that little side door that you, that you're not expecting. Mm. Um, that leads you into the greater room. Oh, to go into, so you're going to the minor fifth. Kind of uh, like an old uh, Nintendo <laughs> game. And, and I, I couldn't, I was like trying to do it on the fretboard and I was like, this isn't happening, me playing it. And so I just, I started like kind of hum singing it, you know, and like what it could be. And then I started kind of following that a little bit. And I was like, oh, well, that was a, that was a better way of doing it <laughs> rather than hammering it out. I just kind of actually thought about what it should sound like instead of mm. making it sound like something. So that was really cool. And I captured, I think what is going to work for it. And, um, that was very rewarding. You could just listen to old music and hopefully no one would notice stolen, you know, parts out of songs. I do not. I'm not doing that. John, John Lennon once said, amateurs borrow, professionals steal. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, cool. So that's a lot of good stuff we're all up to. You know what it's time for? One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. Tom from Cooper FX. Give us your four on the floor. Okay, so I think mine's going to be from a different angle than most because you know i'm not your guy who's out there playing any shows or anything i never have four on the floor so these are coming from like i said a different angle i think my first my first choice is going to be the ditto looper the ditto x2 specifically mm -hmm. that's just what i have um i like the second foot switch for all the you know effects you can add to it but like what well you can do that reverse thing you can do the slow down the stop mm. so yeah good stuff but anyways, I think, man, I use that pedal all the time just because when you're testing something, it's, you know, wildly impractical to have a guitar, you know, in your lap while you're plugging in and plugging out. So I've got yeah. the Ditto X2 constantly going when I'm testing pedals. Um, I've been considering getting that just for my, like, for the second board that I just kind of have running with like just all the, like the random pedals so that I can spend more time tweaking and trying to find the things without... Like you said, oh, yeah. with sitting there with a the guitar, it's just really, really impractical. Right. What are we trying to do? Make music? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, you know, the mix between super simple, but it's also got those you know couple effects, which makes it really fun and, you know, a little less monotonous when you are just running the same loop sure. for hours through these pedals while you're testing them. So does, that's does, my first one. It's pretty practical, I think. Does uh, the looping actually inspire any of the sounds that you're creating um no i wouldn't say so okay but i mean even when i even when i do you know have the rare moment when i sit down and play music it is always through the ditto and you know i just love you know layering you know a little guitar here a little guitar there just messing around with it for a while right you can get lost with that one pedal and that's kind of you know special cool right yeah. on what's number two 
So I think number two for me is the Montreal Assembly count to five. Um, uh, that's been on a few times. Has it? Yeah. Well, you know, I think is special for me about it is it's, well, first off, Montreal Assembly, they're kind of one of those companies that I've always looked up to. Um, they do the coolest stuff. And they did it way before anyone else is doing weird stuff. Like, man, it was probably like eight years ago I got this NASA attribute, which was like an arpeggiator pedal they put out. And that was wild for the time and still would be wild. But anyways, the count to five is, I think it kind of marks a really important um, moment in, you know, guitar pedal culture maybe mm-hmm. it's kind of this yeah. this instance where you see okay this is a really weird effect and this is really becoming something that people want to use mm-hmm. um i mean you just see how wildly popular it was and uh, everything montreal assembly does is just so unique uh, from the way they market the way they they sell they're like and, the anti-pedal yeah yeah maybe um but i just attribute a lot of you know, the way I do things is really a lot, uh, a lot is owed to that pedal and the style that that's, you know, sparked. So that's a really important pedal for me, uh, you know, besides from being so interesting and fun to, to mess around with. Um, it's just an important pedal to me, I think. I, well, it's also interesting to, to, if you catalog those who have brought that up in their four on the floor, um, you know, who those people are, uh, that also says, I think, a little bit about the pedal itself, you know, and, and what they're doing, not only with it, but in their own professional world. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, were other people saying similar stuff or was it? it yeah, because it is. It's just it's one of those things that people recognize. Like it's I mean, you know, we referenced the Zoya earlier. It's like I we were talking about this offline. I think yeah. that is one of those same pedals where at, at first you're like, I don't know exactly how to receive this, but you know, it's important and you know, it's special. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it's the start of a chapter for sure. Yeah. And maybe we're coming to the end of that chapter, but it's been very important to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. What's number three? Number three is going to be the doctor scientist atmosphere. Uh-huh. So this is, um, it's pretty new. It came out, I think, this fall or this winter. It's their Dr. Scientist Reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's got that screen and everything. It's just yep. beautiful. It's like one of those pedals when you first get it, you're just like wowed by the you know quality behind it, even before you plug it in. Um, I mean, and that's, that's kind of the, the magic behind Dr. Scientist. Um, they just make fun pedals. Like... They're just fun. Like, for example, this this pedal, you hold a button down and you turn on a game to play on the pedal. And, like, I don't know how useful that is. Probably not useful, but it's just fun. And I've said fun a million times, but that's the only way to describe this pedal. It's just great. And it sounds great. It's got so many features. It's, it's something that I'm, you know... I really look up to and strive to make something like, and plus um, Ryan from Dr. Scientist is a, is a buddy of mine and you know, we have, or well, he helps put me in a good word for us. Will you? <laughs> yeah. I'll see what I can do. Thanks. Um, but he's, he's so cool. He's so open and uh, with sharing ideas. And I think that's kind of his openness with me has um, helped me 
be open with other people and share ideas. And I think that's really important, especially in something creative where we're all kind of hobbyists in this industry. So I think that the atmosphere is a great pedal and that's, that's gotta be my current third. Okay. Give us number four. Number four is hard for me. Um, there's so many great pedals to choose from, but I think right now for me, it's the Thermae, the Chase Bliss Thermae. Uh-huh. Um, again, like it's not, it's not because I use these pedals all the time. It's just coming from like an angle of respect. I just think it's amazing what, what he did with um, an analog delay pedal in that format. Um, it's just unlike anything else. And the fact that it is analog is just kind of uh slap to the face of nature it's just so cool you know? <laughs> uh now we've had a couple uh of the chase bliss pedals on the floor and the floor now h- how we've we also have varying degrees of involvement or willingness to go to the depths that you can go within the chase bliss because of the sheer amount of of combinations yeah on a scale of one to 10, how, how deep do you go into the, into the, the chase bliss pedal world? Oh man. Well, the Therme, I'll be totally honest with you. I don't know how to work it, but <laughs> that's what just, everybody I, says. I have the accident. I plug in and it sounds awesome every time. Right. Um, right. I kind of get it. It's just a little, con- not confusing. It's just the nature of the pedal. Um, but on a scale of one to 10, I'd say one <laughs> <laughs> scratching the surface. Yeah. I think, uh, I turn it on and just tune out. That's a common it's theme. Great. That's yeah. a common theme. Yeah. People They're love beautiful, features. Aren't they? like, oh my God. Yeah. They really I'm are. Talks yeah. about them. Yeah. So really special. Uh, well, dude, I, that's, that's a, that's a nice four on the floor. I like that. You might say good, righteous. Good. It is a righteous four on the floor. Solid. Yes, all the all the words from from the old times. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. Uh, speaking of awesome, uh, we've got Tubular, Mister Awesome, <laughs> Mister Awesome Tom from Cooper Effects, <laughs> who we are interviewing right now. Uh, we had the pleasure of hanging out and talking with him at Nam. Uh, you know, I, hopefully that doesn't. It's not like wearing on people, like constantly referencing that. But honestly, it's such a big part of of our personal experience and the experience within the world of the people that we're talking to. So it's, it's almost impossible not to reference it, but you well, have yeah. to go. But there's to nothing Nam. wrong with that. Cause Nam is like the gathering it's place. It. Yeah. I mean, especially the, the uh, winter Nam. I mean, that one is everybody is there. Yeah. And you uh, need to go. Go. sorry, Tom, what'd you think of Nam? Do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's all right i loved it man nam is everything Could have been bigger <laughs> it's it was awesome this past nam it was you know fender had a new thing going and gibson had yeah, a new yeah. thing going yeah. i mean it was it was huge i i thought that the, you know i hadn't been to the california show for two maybe three years and i was just kind of shocked at how much more it grew even uh where they've added that whole microphone and AV section in a separate yeah. building now. A new building, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I, w- I was just amazed. And, I mean, we were all just tired. <laughs> yeah. Tired oh, like, yeah. like, like crazy because, I mean, it was just nonstop walking. I met the yeah. guy who, like, invented the Mellotron. Oh, no way. Keyboard. Yeah, it was awesome meeting that guy. 
I had no idea I was going to meet him. He was there. He was just there at the, actually he was in the uh, keyboard microphone area, like not where all the guitars and stuff were. I got a selfie with Michelangelo Batio. Uh, okay. So, yeah. um, I, I obviously spent almost the entire three days in, in the same area that, that all the pedal guys and the, and the, and the guitars, yeah. all the pedals and all the guitars. I didn't leave. What are we going to do? That's, that's my world, man. So it's always uh, better than drum world, but uh, Oh my goodness. Yes. I found, I found it, you know, personally, uh, really satisfying to be able to actually sit in there and talk and connect with people like yourself who, um, you know, we've, we've talked for quite, quite a while saying like, Hey, let's do the show and everything. So then to go and just, you know, have a little bit of time just actually conversing face to face is great. So one of the things that I found interesting about what you're doing is that and I, I used the term, you know, we were talking offline. I used the term that, uh, you know, you dropped into the pedal world and kind of took two steps to the left real quick. Uh, you didn't start out with a, this, the standard line of like, here's my, here's my overdrive. Here's my fuzz. Here's my delay. Here's my reverb. And then went to the crazy business. Yeah. Yeah. So t- just enlighten us a little bit about your approach. Uh, I'm really not a musician. I'm not a guitar player. I mean, I do play guitar, but uh, music has never been my primary focus. Um, it's just more, I would hear a sound in a song and I'd be like, oh, that's cool. How'd they make that? How'd they do that? And so I'm coming from from that angle. So I don't know if it's a disadvantage or advantage, but um, I don't think of it like, okay, I need to design a really good overdrive because I need to use an overdrive for this show or something. Right. I, I, I come from it like, okay, that's a really interesting sound. I wonder how I can make that into uh, you know hardware setup. That is a very interesting angle because most, most things are made out of necessity, which you're making things completely not out of necessity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right? It's just kind of a, well, I kind of want to make that sound. So let's try to make it. Yeah. It's not, it's not coming from any practical need at all. So I think that's kind of why my things are a little different. Right now. What's it, what is your background that gives you the ability to make some of these? Surely you have to have some kind of background that, that enables you to do this. No, you know, I think the awesome. truth is, totally got that um, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I swear if you ask like 90% of other people in this field it's like okay how'd you learn to do this it's like i don't know i just kind of figured it out yeah i did make the mistake of asking john schneider that well yeah yeah (laughs) drink (laughs) um and uh you know obviously he's got he's got a background Uh, same thing with our our pal mike trombley you know it's like he's born to do that he went to he's he's dedicated his adult and they have a master's or something like that. Yeah, he's got a master's in uh, in that in, in, in electrical engineering. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. super duper smart. So yeah, uh, I mean I don't claim to be any expert on anything. I'm kind of a hack at everything I do, and it's just you know worked out a little bit. So, so you have no electronic background. No, I actually I went to school for um, civil and structural engineering, and wow, you know before I graduated, this Cooper FX thing kind of started to you know, gain momentum. And I was like, well, once I graduate, I kind of just want to do this because this is so fun and it's so, 
you know, different and cool. So here I am. That's incredibly impressive. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know exactly how to react to that because you know, you, you're not making simple pedals. These are, these no, are I very mean, complex pedals. If someone came up to me and said, Hey, make me a, a pedal with a screen on it and a menu, I'd be like, yeah, no, <laughs> not happening. Well, I mean, you know, everything is, you know, you learn it by piecemeal. Um, I'm still learning every day. I learned something new. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great approach. Well, let's get yeah. in. Let's let's kind of like uncover some of those unique things. Uh, you've got four pedals out uh, in the in the history of Cooper Effects, correct? Yeah, it sounds right. Yep. Now you've you've got. Uh, let's talk about the ARP A A R P. <laughs> Is that what you call it? The ARP. Yeah, it was. That was stupid. That was so. When I made that, I wasn't even planning on. I had like four circuit boards that I needed to build up just because that was like a minimum quantity order. Uh huh minimum order quantity and so <clears throat> i was like well i gotta slap a name on this thing and um i just came to arp which i well i forget what it, uh, it's an abbreviation or it was that's uh acronym for something like automatic arpeggiated repeated patterns or something like that jeez louise that's your first right. pedal was, well <laughs> well i had you know arpeggiator right so then the closest thing in my mind that i could make up was aarp and once i stick with something no matter how stupid it is it just kind of gets stuck in my head right you so only have was, to be 50 to be a yeah, member i was like i was like isn't it aarp <laughs> like a thing <laughs> yeah correct, correct. So, yeah um, come on our show so we can make fun of you man. <laughs> it, was a partner. it was actually the first collaboration i did with um you know any other company I know. And so who was a collaborator with on that one? AARP. Oh. American Association of Retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, boy. Go. You actually, I, I got, I walked right into that. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. We, we were even, I can't believe I did that. Todd is, Todd's leg is in the bear trap. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't know ARP. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, well, that's awesome. That's something, that's something I would pull. That's why. Well, that's also not true. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's too bad because they have a nice phone called the Jitterbug over there. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> somebody needs to make a pedal out of that. that would be, <laughs> there's your next one, there, Tom. It's called yeah. Call your next pedal the Jitterbug. Yeah, perfect. Uh, okay, so so tell us about what what is the automated arpeggio? Well, let's say so. yeah, whatever. Um, well, it's an eight step sequence or hooked up to a pitch shifter. So, you know, you get eight steps um, where you can select a pitch. So it'll give, like you play a note on your guitar and it'll cycle through those eight steps. Okay. Um, set at different pitch intervals. So the reason I wanted to make that is because, you know, that Muse song, Map of the Problematic? I yes. Yeah. So, you know, that intro, that's like that arpeggiated guitar. Yep. And it's like bouncing up and down a couple octaves. That's a great album. So, yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a great album. I, I love their early stuff. They did, get a lot of shit, but I mean, sorry. That's all right. That's okay. Didn't he have the effects <laughs> in the guitar and his, uh, didn't yeah. he have a Telecaster with all that in his guitar? Yeah, no, actually yeah. if we want to rewind a little bit, that's actually the first electronic project I ever did. Um, is I was probably like 14 or 15. I, I like hacked open this Dean Evo guitar, which is the cheapest guitar I could find. Oh yeah. And I put a chaos pad screen in it. And then, yeah. 
So that was my first foray into was, electronics. Okay, so that was the one that made you go, hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so cool. That's really neat. <laughs> it probably wasn't the best idea, but so me being like a 14-year-old or 15-year-old or whatever without any cash, I was like, well, I could probably sell this. So I put it on eBay and it sold. And I don't know if it's still around anymore. I can't imagine because the build quality had to be terrible on that. <laughs> but, well, the, the funny thing is, know, they're still trying to sell that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I saw they're making guitars with it now. Yeah, like commercially. Yes, very bizarre. Uh, cool. Yeah. So, okay, so you've got the you got the eight steps for an arpeggiator, and then yeah, yeah. So then next um, was the generation loss, and um, that's supposed to be like a, you know VHS degradation emulator so it's got um, random vibrato it's got like bandwidth uh, reduction with you know low and high pass filters um so it, it help me work the, work this out for me we have things that are uh you know like tape machines we've got warped vinyl and then there's a when you're referencing a vhs essentially emulator what, yeah, yeah. why what's the difference well, I mean, I guess you could say, um, you know, any sort of magnetic um, media, like anything on tape, okay. it's emulating that sound. So generation loss is like the um, phenomenon of where you record to, you know, this magnetic medium. And as you re-record over it, you, know, you, lo- you uh, lose the quality and you start getting these artifacts like noise and... Uh, yeah. So just like you're actually seeing, which is the unique thing about VHS, because that also happens visually yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you mess with the tracking on the machine and you try to get it to come in clear. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah but that's uh, when you can see like Jerry Springer so behind the the latest, uh, you know, movie, whatever that you <laughs> taped over. And you're like, wait, is that Jerry Springer behind that thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was the goal there. Um I was really into the chill wave genre. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like, uh, I think it was big in the early 2010s. So there are bands like washed out and neon Indian and their whole vibe was this you know, nostalgic sound, right? You know, like warped, uh, low fi just, I don't know. It was really intriguing sound to me. So I tried to make that. And I remember, um, that, I was, that's like, kind of like a little bit, a, a, a less, uh, crystal, crystalline and sparkly version of like like early shoegaze right yeah actually um you know like my bloody valentine and all that yeah totally i think so this the specific album that like uh influenced generation loss it was called era extrania or i don't know how to say it exactly but it's this neon indian album and his whole goal was to uh create loveless with synthesizers (laughs) so So yeah, there definitely is some, you know, um, connection between those two genres. Yeah. And those are two genres that I love. So it makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. Anyways, you can really get lots of that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, you know, when you're saying generation, generation loss and you're talking about sound artifacts and, uh, you know, degradation of that sound, creating sort of a, a lo-fi vibe. What are some of the things that someone can, do on your pedal to manipulate that oh yeah okay so um, you have a sample rate reduction so you can get this 
you can bring down the fidelity of your sound digitally, which isn't, you know, really something attributed to tape degradation, but it's, it was a pretty key part of that album that I just referenced. So I felt it like it was important to include on the pedal. So you can do that. Um, then you have this random vibrato section uh, that just totally, you know, gives you a weird chorus vibrato. That's um, I think when, it's pretty when you're saying it's random, do you mean it's like a randomized vibrato or you just, yeah, so, you know, typical vibrato would be like a sine wave or something or a triangle wave instead okay. of that sine wave, you know, constantly going at that cyclic cyclical sine wave. It's just, you know, generating random numbers and bouncing all over the place. So you really don't get anything that makes sense. It's just kind of a warble mess that you can right. tame with uh, depth and speed controls. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then you've got uh, a resonant high and low pass filter. So you can, you know, narrow the bandwidth and just, you know, you can either get a tinny radio sound or, um, you know, that you can roll off a high end and get like a really dark, muddy sound. And then uh, to top it off, you have this noise generator, which I'd almost say it's like a flutter, a flutter vibrato because it's going at such a fast rate. Um, you get these weird noise artifacts that kind of melt melt into your signal and just introduce more random uh, pitch fluctuations and just kind of makes it all messier. Which I mean, on paper it sounds you know something you don't want, but right. That sounds like, like a great name for a pedal, man. Melt. You should make uh, that yeah, pedal. Melt. All right, <laughs> do it. Go do it. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just thinking of grilled cheese. Melt people might have seen on your Instagram, you just had like a thousand boxes of the generation <laughs> loss. With yeah. Your, yeah. With so your, yeah, people, people really like this one, which is cool. I really, I'm really happy with how people, how into it people are. That's good. Uh, well, and it's also because it's not, it's not a, you know, one of the, the, the big five kind of style of pedals. So it's, it is off to the left and people are, are picking it up. That's really great, right. man. Yeah. So like I said, I, you know, I'm just doing this as a hobbyist, basically, so I don't have any real technical talent. So the only way I can stand out is by making something that's different. Right. And so that's kind of been my whole strategy from the beginning. Awesome. That's a heck of a pedal for just being a hobby. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Well, well, we, yeah. We, wait wait till we get to these other ones that are just hobby hobbies. <laughs> you know so let's talk about the outward. Yeah, so... Man, I'm really close to being done with this new version of the Outward, but um, the concept there was um, just a weird sampling device. So sample your audio, you know, in different ways um, and play it back in different ways. So the first few modes will sample it based on like an envelope or an LFO. So, you, for example, you strum something and then release that what you just played, and it will infinitely uh, repeat what you just played. So it's like a sample. It samples when your envelope uh, crosses a certain threshold and then we'll just infinitely repeat that. Um, another mode would be like an LFO doing that same thing. So like when the LFO hits the top point of its cycle, it'll sample something. And then when it's on the other, the opposite end of the cycle, it'll play that sample back continuously. Sort of um, like uh, the, the old game where you watch the little, the, the little cube, bounce off all the four walls where it just starts to make different patterns, but it's repeating. 
Maybe that's just in my head. <laughs> are you talking about? Are you talking about pong? Well, not just pong, but there's there's other. You know, I think it was you know old screensavers and stuff. You just watch the oh yeah, kind of like a carom or a, or a you know a billiard style. Like you just watch the it it begins to make its own patterns based on where it's rebounding. Yeah. And you want it to get in the corner, right? But it never, and does. It never does. It never does. Yes. Nope. Uh, now, why did you call that the outward? Oh man. Good question. So the generation loss, I feel like is the only good or the only name I've ever thought was good. <laughs> These other ones I just are like, Oh man, do I have to name this? Can it just be like pedal number two? <laughs> Did but, you look up and just read something and it said outward? <laughs> no, I think so. What I think what happened was I sent the pedal to one of my friends and I was like, Hey, here are the sounds. Like, can you come up with a name for this? And he sent me a list and I just chose outward. Okay. <laughs> well, the, well, that's something, isn't it? It's something. Yeah. It's something. It's something. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm so like, when you're so not creative in that way. So it's, whatever I can outsource is great. That's so smart. <laughs> When you're talking about your second version of this, what, what's different? Yeah, so, um, well, on the second version, well, on the first version, I had some, you know, feedback. You know, for example, like, there's, you know, some technical things that I, I messed up on the first one that that kind of led to me discontinuing it in the first place and reworking it. So a lot of people weren't happy with this volume drop because um i just i just uh had a bad mix circuit on there and that was my fault and i i kind of just didn't even notice it when i was testing it just because i play it one way and that's not how everyone else plays it so uh so by volume drop you mean like when you engage you you hear a drop in your actual volume yeah so there's the mix control and if you have the mix control turned up which is how i always use it um you're fine but once you start introducing the dry signal uh you get some issues gotcha. which you know it's a stupid mistake i made but that's the reason i pulled it and i've added a lot of stuff to it, including that fix but you know it's you can never get anything right the first time you do it so um yeah, it's taken us 126 times, so we're still. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure you'll see a lot of revisions from me in the future, but I'm trying not to do that as much. Just get it right the first time. But you know, I think that that's I think that's great. I, I've actually I feel like we see a lot of people doing that now, where they're doing shorter runs. They're not just saying this is the thing and it will always be the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's quite a few builders out there that are saying. That are that are doing like oh here's here's the next version of this or here's this run where they can you know make several hundred a, you know a, a, a large batch and then go back and say I need to tweak that one thing but then yeah. the next one that comes out it's like in a different color or it's just it's it doesn't have to be just concretely created you know? yeah yeah and like I said I think for a lot of people this is a learning process it's uh, continual. And I mean, you can't expect someone to know everything right the first time. I mean, you know, when you're a hobbyist like myself, you can't expect someone to know everything right the first time. So 
you know, as you learn new things, new tricks, you want to incorporate them into your old, your old products. And that's kind of where this outward version two is taking me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when hobbyists uh, online in groups that I'm, I'm involved with, they always ask us, man, how do you do this? How do you do that? And sometimes they ask things that where my answer is, you just have to do it yourself and figure it out. Like you, totally, you just totally. have to get into it, do it. And it's sometimes it's easier and better to learn making mistakes. Mistakes are all a part of learning. So, I mean, just to support what you've been kind of saying, um, I think, I think doing things like that, just getting into it and diving in is a good way to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least for me, and it sounds like yourself too, just hands-on learning is so important. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much how I, if you listen back at Mike podcast a million years ago, that that's how I said, I just, I just dove into it, figured yeah, it out as I yeah. went along and mistakes are good. If you learn from them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, speaking of mistakes, let's talk about the moment. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. <laughs> uh, the moment machine. I love the name of that. I, that's actually one of the, of the names that you have. Uh, I, I really like that one. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, the moment machine is just kind of like the ARP version two, just, um, probably added a complexity level of a hundred to it. <laughs> And, you know, to me, the designer, it makes a lot of sense, but I can totally relate how anyone else would be like, how the heck do you use this thing? Uh This is ridiculous. Um, So, yeah, I think if anything, I learned from that pedal, well, it wasn't a huge success and I don't know if I'm going to keep making it. Um, I learned so much uh, technically from it. Was it a case of just too much in one box or... I think so. I think so. Uh Yeah. It's just very, very complex and a lot of levels of learning to it. I mean, you know, you look at something like the Zoya and it's nowhere near as complex as that, but I think I just need some sort of refinement in certain terms of uh, layout editing. Yeah. Yeah. But it is kind of a case of, let me just try to throw everything I can possibly throw at this. And right. I think uh, for the future, it's, you know, keep it simple. But, gotcha. you know, it's, I think it was a good pedal for me to learn a lot of things on. All right. Do you think that there's some things that you would break out of that moment machine into a new Oh, pedal? yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, the whole core of that pedal, um, you know, the, the digital processor within it is going to be in this next outward revision. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's just a lot of little tricks I learned from that it's probably worth mentioning if, if you are uh, considering getting one of these pedals, this is not necessarily um, a, these are not really power chord style uh, <laughs> or pedals. They're, they're more for color. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I totally think that's fair. So anybody that jumps on and that's sort of my, I'm the dumb guy that walks up to the pedals then straps on and starts playing the stuff. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh wait, <laughs> this is not meant for that. Uh, and then I have to take a step back and kind of recalibrate and go, okay, so what would be my approach with this particular thing? 
Yeah, yeah. And that's where we actually had begun the conversation of, okay, you're two steps to the left and let's find out why. Uh, yeah. So tell us about the, tell us about the significance of the name Cooper effects. Yeah. So Cooper's my dog. Um, I like him a lot. I love him. You might even say. And so, like I said, when I was, you know, selling those first couple of AARPs, I just had to slap a name on it. And he was the, just the first thing that came to mind. So I was like, yeah, sure. Cooper effects. Let's roll with it. And that's kind of stuck. And people, I think the most fun part about this whole experience for me has been how much other people are like, Hey dude, I love your dog. Your dog's great. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, he is. He's a good guy. Yeah. Well, and you, you feature him quite a bit in your social. He's like always in, you're like the bushes beans of, of, of uh, petals. <laughs> well, that's the first. Yeah. <laughs> and for the mountains yeah. of bush. That's, yeah. that's a different kind of bush. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, I think the whole thought there is like, I don't like to put my face out there. I don't like to be the whole face for the thing. So let's right. make it a dog. Right. Love the dogs. Can't go wrong with a dog. uh, Jared and Tony are dog people. Yep. I got Bert and Ernie at home. (laughs) I've got got Marvin and Cody. Yeah. What are all those guys? I got a pug. I got a pug and I got a pug dachshund mix. Oh, cool. And I've got a Corgi Pomeranian and an Australian Shepherd Poodle mix. Oh, wow. What's Cooper? A Golden Retriever? Yeah, he's a golden. Okay. Yeah. And I... I have three kids! <laughs> I have a dog allergy. Yeah. Well, and I and I love the fact that he's he's on not only your logo, but he's actually on your circuit boards, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's neat. So, you know, we've talked about the things that you've done, and uh, if, if a new builder were to come up to you and say, hey, what advice could you give me? What advice would you give that new builder? Yeah, well, you know, I get I get this question pretty often, actually. And I think the first thing is to, you know, set yourself apart and you know, do something a little different, because if you don't, you're just going to get lost in the sea of hundreds of other people or other pedals that are doing what you're doing, but they're doing it great, you know, and there's just no need to compete with that. Just try to find something a little bit different and it doesn't have to be super complex. There's so many simple ideas out there that just haven't been done. Um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing I think is just to dive in, like we were talking about, um, there's no better learning tool than just diving in and getting your hands moving with this uh, stuff. It's just, you really learn so much from actually doing rather than thinking about doing and like, yeah. Ooh, what should I do here? What should I do next? Like how, what steps do I have to follow? Just, just do it, you know? So, uh, what would you avoid doing and what would you tell other builders to avoid? Um, what would I avoid doing? I yeah. think, Making another fuzz pedal. I think there are ways to do fuzz that are totally unique. I think um, what you, I think what's important is just to you know do something that interests you, um, and once you do that, I think people will start to take notice. And as long as it's saying something a little bit different than uh, 
what else is available. People will appreciate what you're doing. I agree because if you buy into your own thing, other people will too. Yeah. Kind yeah. Like performing. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying, um, where it's like, I don't, I don't make things out of practicality or like any sort of need. It's just something I want to do. And because I want to do it, um, I think it comes off as a little, a little more sincere maybe. And people, people like that, especially in this uh, pedal community, that's, you know, relatively small people, people like to have something that has uh, a little bit of a story behind it. Right. That's why we do the show, my man. Yeah. Uh, we are firm believers in the personal fingerprint on someone's efforts, someone's product. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that it always creates a, a really special connection with, with the actual user of that pedal. That's why we care about the boutique builders is that we want a deeper connection that you can't get with, um, some of some of the uh, you know I guess bigger brands or 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 brands that uh, simply have too many people behind it, mm-hmm. yeah. or even like any other industry. I can't think of anyone that's like this. It, it is true. I think that maybe the only one that I can really relate it to at this point um, is some of the alcohol industry, like beer, oh, and, totally, beer yeah. and bourbon for sure, and also wine. All three of those things. Yeah, you're right, you're right. You're right. They, they all have a maker quality just, just to it. Just don't mix them don't all mix together them. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Bad idea. Yeah. Reverend Horton Heat uh, <laughs> warned us against that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, I Anyways. think especially the beer industry, um, you know, you see all these tiny little built, or brewers, you know, biting chunks out of the bigger, you know, cores and Budweiser. Sure. sure. And I, I feel like that's definitely a parallel with you know, our little world. Well, and the funny thing is, is that those, they're no longer the majority. Right, right. You know, their volume might be higher, but they're certainly not the majority. And that's, I think, a pretty cool in thing about what's happening. Just in the, in the terms of uh, providers. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think that's one of the really neat things about what's going on, you know, what has been going on in the, in the guitar industry. And to, to the point that we've mentioned a few times, we are able to see thresholds happening before us that that are at a at a, a a rate like never before you know if you think you know if you go back to uh the progress you know from the from the 80s to the 90s is like there really wasn't a, a, a tremendous amount and then it just went blammo mm-hmm. right yeah After and that's that. that's kind of what i'm talking about with the count to five i feel like that pedal specifically marked this turning point and once that happened you just saw this you know, explosion of complexity. Yeah. It's like someone said, Oh wait, we can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think you nailed it with that. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I really appreciate you sharing your story with everybody. Um, my pleasure. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to learn about new people and, and what they're doing, especially from a creative standpoint that affects our guitar world. So onward with our next segment, Jared, which is, uh, would you rather? Very nice. Ooh, thank you. This week's Would You Rather is brought to us by a uh, a new friend of ours who listens to us now. His name is Jason Eastu. Um, so first off, 
he says he's a noob, a newbie to the Guitar Knobs podcast, and he's been enjoying getting to know all of uh, our guests and boutique builders, and uh, he wouldn't have stumbled upon them on his own unless he listened. That's great, man. Uh, like most guitar players, he's been chasing perfect tone since plugging into his first guitar 25 years ago, so he's a seasoned guitar player. He's been playing a while, and the tone he's been trying to get is uh, to emulate uh, Mike Ness. Uh, crunchy, thick, room-filling distortion. I listened to a rig setup. Or he listened to a rig setup from Mike Ness and uh, said, uh, toss your humbuckers in the trash and get some single-coil pickups to get the ultimate tone he creates. That's crazy. Yes. So Mike Ness of Social Distortion. And we thought this was fitting because it was just his birthday and that was celebrated all over the Instagrams and everything. He's a, an important figure in especially the the, uh, the early punk rock world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course he is. So so when he's saying singles, uh, Mike plays uh, pretty much exclusively uh, Les Pauls uh, with uh, P90s in him. Yes, and we've talked about those before. Yeah, even though their single coils are still a very growly, punchy, thick sounding pickup. I got them in mind. Wasn't there Brandon a, a Mike ones. Ness uh, Gretsch though? Uh, oof, I don't know. I know. So when he first started out, he actually uh, was playing an SG. Okay, uh, and uh, okay. I think at one point in time he might have had his hands on a telly. I think those but come with P90s too. Yeah, his the early specials one, his and early the junior one, uh, had a had had those in it. So, but yeah. that's the way back. So, but his his more uh, famous use has his he's always stuck single with, uh, coil Les Paul. Uh, yeah, that's right. P90s. Yep, good choice. So the would you rather is would you rather keep the tone you finally found, or would you take the advice? Throw away the humbuckers and get yourself some single coil P90s. Ooh, big question there. Big question. Tony. Hmm. I think I'm going I, I to take the advice and go with the single coils. Yeah. Um, I, there is something about how single coils act with a lot of amplifiers, and they do some magical things. And sometimes, I mean, a, a prime example are, are Voxes. Every Vox that I've owned sometimes does not play well with humbuckers. It, I don't know if it's just the overall They're just natural, tonal range. really thick mid-power. Yeah, but anytime I plug a single coil, whether it's a Strat, a Tele, or uh, even a low-powered humbucker like a Filtertron, that sort of thing, they always sound good through, through a Vox. So yeah. the P90, I mean, I think always, that, that's one of my all-time favorite pickups. So I'm going to... I'm gonna, that's the route I'm going. Okay. Let's hear from Jared. That's that's a tough one. If if You're I were a humbucker, dude. I, I am a of all pickup guy because I build them for a living. However, in this case, if if this was Mike Ness telling me this, I would take his advice because, you know, obviously he knows what he likes, right? Sure, sure. And if I was trying to get that Mike Ness sound, yeah. I would not only you know, throw those humbuckers away and get the P90s, but I would ask him everything else that he has. Yeah. If I was trying to get and and how big is your room? And is it drywall? Is it brick? <laughs> you know, I would just go all out and ask him because it's kind of a nerd sure. I am. All right. Well, I think with the other thing that we're missing, the information is, uh, you know, obviously amp usage plays a little bit Amps, of a part in that too. But uh, that kind of thing. Tom, how about yourself? I think I've always been a single coil pickup guy. Um, I just like the way 
P90s look to begin with, let alone you know, the sound. Um, yeah. And I've never jived with any guitar that has had humbuckers in it. I don't know if it's, you know, because of the humbuckers or just the guitar, but single coils just speak to me in a different way. So definitely the single coil. Dig it. Dig it. Uh, I am doing the same dang thing because, uh, I've actually run into that. So <laughs> wow. I've done that. Um, and, uh, I, I do really, really love my P90s. Um, thank you, Jared, for doing that. Thank you. I want to, I want to say one more thing before we branch off of this is that they, there have been humbuckers that are low impedance, like four or five K that, that would probably work through the Vox and work through, mm -hmm. you know, but they're, you know, designed to run through a lot of different circuits and whatnot. Yeah. But I just, I just wanted to, I appreciate add that. that little nugget of info. And, about and just on a, on a little branch off of the, uh, the social distortion, um, I had the, I'm, I'm getting to school my daughters in, in, you know, the history of rock and roll they They love it. And I was working actually, I was editing the podcast the other night and my daughter couldn't sleep and she came down and was talking to me and we just started talking about some stuff and I don't know why I was thinking about it, but I wanted to show her like the, the evolution, uh, the, the creation, the Genesis of a song. And, uh, uh there's a great documentary called another state of mind that, uh, catalogs or not catalogs, but they, they follow, they follow a handful of, of uh, documents, documents. That's the word. Cause it's documentary. It's a rockumentary. <laughs> um, and they, they basically follow a couple of punk bands around and uh, social distortion, the very, very, very earliest stage that they were in. Uh, it follows them around. And I just remember there's sort of a pivotal point in the movie where um, you see Mike Ness kind of like just eking, just scratching out this, this tune and, and watching that evolve and I showed it, showed that to her and it was, it was the song, another state of mind, which is my actual, my, my favorite, um, social distortion song. And then I showed her like the current live version of it. So she saw, you know, a, a beat up, like scraggly kid on a, on a stairs, on a stairwell playing a completely haggard guitar, making just not great sound trying to create the song into like in front of a full live audience, just tearing it up. And it was just like a real cool moment that, that, you know, she was able to see like, you know, she hears me doing that at home, but it was another thing to see an actual like good famous person doing it. <laughs> so anyways, I, I thought I'd uh, pass that along. So take time and do that with your peoples or your dogs. If you have them, I'm sure they'd appreciate it too. <laughs> All right, we got a couple things. We have a couple people to thank, and then we're gonna... we have a, a lot of people to thank. Yeah, I mean this list is just it's getting redonkerous. Yeah, nice. But that's good. Yes, that's sir. always a good thing. Yep. So at this point in the show, uh, we like to thank a special group of people who uh, help support the podcast uh, by going on to Patreon. And the highest, one of the nicest, highest levels that you can participate in is the executive producer. And you get t-shirts, stickers, barefoot button, picks, 
Bucks, you name it. There's a big, 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 big package. But one of the nicest things that happens, Jared, is what? You get to have your name read on the thing, man. You get your name read on the thing. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Yes. Thank you, thank you, and more thank yous to Tom Barazin. Yes. Martin Cliff. David Wolfson. Matt Brammer. Carlos Mancha. Pete Marshall. Robin Smith, John Daly, Oliver Gonzalez, Sean S. Chris Kearney, Robert Marfleet, Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Brad Partridge, Corey Nigro, Ken Sayers, Jonathan Jerusik, Brian Robison, Michael Senchuk, Michael McVeigh, Rick Langlou, Langlou. Stefan Lamb, Johnny Knowles, Anthony Lanthrop, John Anglin, Tyler Bray, Tyg Harmon, and our newest and bestest friend, drumroll, Mr. Christopher Heidel. Christopher Heidel, welcome. Hey, welcome. Welcome on board. Thank you. You're in good company. Everybody, thank you so very much. Uh, this, you know, we say it all the time. It helps us tremendously, and we are just so very grateful for your help and um, and and listening. Even if you're not helping, boy, do we appreciate you listening, and we would love your comments, and uh, send us, just send us a word. Even if you're just saying, like the show, thanks. It makes our day. It really does. All right, Tom, where can people find you? Yes, I think you can mostly find me just uh, on uh, Instagram uh, at cooper.fx, or you can email me at tom at cooperfx.com. Okay, and what's the best way to get your pedals? Um, I'm working on it. Just uh, be patient. Uh, I've got got a pre-order for the Generation Loss opened up now. I saw that on the website. Yeah, I'll probably leave that open for a few more days before I close it off. Um, I think it's otherwise. I I, I just want to point out, like, if you do go to the website and you see, like, this is out of stock or this is on pre-order, it doesn't mean that you're doing this as a hobby, so you don't necessarily have a warehouse of back stock. Right, right. Like, I'm, you know, I'm making a a living out of it, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, I can't just order 10,000 circuit boards at a time. Right, right. Cool. It's smaller batches and they, they just tend to be eaten up. So yeah, it's a good problem to have. If you follow you on Instagram, you can find out like what you're building so that you have an idea of when those are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I always give, you know, a good couple of weeks in advance heads up that they're going to be available. Too true. Too true. Tony, how about yourself? Oh, well, let's just say you want to have a custom pick guard made. I do. You want to change? You want to put some P90s in? I do. Get rid of those silly humbuckers and get some P90s in there. Go over to pickguardian.com and you can contact me through there. You can see some some of the work I do, some kind of eh, more or less stock items. And uh, if you want to see some of the projects we talk about here, including ones with bad CTS bots, <laughs> you can go over <laughs> to Instagram and uh, go to at PickGuardian and the number one. If you can't pay him fully, don't send him a bank statement. <laughs> oh, the latest. Oh, my goodness. The latest I, scam. The latest scam. This uh, the, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going off base here, but Sorry. I, I sent a copy to Jared. So I get, in the past 
two days, I've gotten four of these bogus emails from the United Kingdom. And it says, I was unable to process, but it shows up on my, on my bank statement. Click here. And on the bank statement is this awful, I, I, I didn't click on it, but I, I'm sure it takes <laughs> you, you ran to a, a virus very and bad thing. A virus <laughs> oh, can. Boy. So, you know, so I sent a copy to Jared just in case. Beware, I, 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 I scrubbed it, of course, because I was afraid Jared would <laughs> click on the bank statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyhow. All right. How about you, Jared? Where can people find you? Well, if, if, if you guys are looking for some new pickups or new old looking pickups to match your old guitar, come to uh, Brandon Pickups and uh, I'll fix you right up. If you have any questions, just throw me an email or message me on uh, Instagram and check out all those pictures too there and uh, BrandonWompPickups.com. There you go. You can shoot me a message at Todd at the guitar knobs.com or you can uh, DM me on Instagram. Uh, I spend an awful lot of time there and uh, I love hearing from everyone out there. All right, gentlemen, this has been a fun time. I think hopefully everybody listening will agree. Uh, and uh, Tom, we sure appreciate you spending time with us. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Uh, everybody have a great guitar week. We'll talk to you soon and subscribe. <laughs> Check one, two, three. Yeah. Estu. Estu. Esta. Esta. Estu. Estu. Yeah. Is it just, just go something? Estu. No, don't. Tony. Say Estu. Easter. Oh, I'm good, man. Okay, there you go. Right. Take, take, take 15. <laughs> oh, you're seeing the dirty underbelly. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Let's do. Let's do. Okay, here we go. Last time. <laughs> I am the man. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.